Welcome to Reality Student Ministries, and thanks for listening. We are all about learning how to live this life to the fullest, getting the most out of every day. For information on upcoming events, sermon series, and ways to connect, be sure to check us out online at reality.painesvilleag.com, as well as like our Facebook page at RSM. Now here's today's message. Last couple weeks, we've been uh, talking about this whole idea of the grave robber. We've been talking through some of this stuff, and it's been challenging because we've been looking at the uh, miracles of Jesus that are kind of uh, found in the Gospel of John alone. And we've seen that those pictures of those miracles is merely a picture of what God wants to do in our life today. It's not something that's like, oh, that was really cool that Jesus did that awesome long time ago. No, no, no. God wants to do that same thing in our life today. And some of you are like, well, that's great, but I don't really like fish and bread that much, so I don't really want him to multiply that. Or, you know, I don't really care. I don't have a, a, a limb or anything that needs to be healed. Or, Donna, I, I really, you know, I'm not drinking age yet, so the whole water into wine thing doesn't really work for me, right? But here's the thing. It's not about doing the exact same thing again, but it's a representation of what God wants to do. And we looked at when Jesus turned water into wine, he took something very basic, very regular, very forgettable, and plenty of it. And I was out at uh, Lake Erie on the Headlands Beach yesterday, and I was looking out over the lake, and there's just a ton of water. Like, you just ever realize, like, how much water is out there? And it's just, like, coming in and going out and coming in and going out. It's like, this is ridiculous. There's just tons of it. And, And you think about that, it's like, would you, would you really forget it if a bucket was missing? You know, would you really, for, you know, be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that, that there's a bucket of water missing in Lake Erie. Like, it's really not that big of a deal. And sometimes in our own lives, we might feel that way. Like, it's really not that big of a deal if I'm gone. No one really cares about me. No one, I kind of just blend in. No one's really going to notice me. And we kind of feel like that water. And yet God used water. And he showed that he was the God over every atom on the planet. And he turned that water into wine. And he did something incredible to launch Jesus into his ministry to reveal his glory. And God wants to do the same thing, taking you, which you might feel like you're just ordinary, you're you're forgettable, you're nothing special. If you were gone, no one would miss you. I want to tell you something. God wants to take you and do something extraordinary and work through you to show his glory because he puts you here for a reason. He puts you here for a purpose. He could have chosen anyone to live in 2015, but he chose you. And so don't you dare think that, oh, I'm just forgettable. I'm just somebody that's, you know, can be easily replaced. God has a plan for you and he wants to change you just like he changed that water into something incredible. He wants to change you and wants to work in you and through you for his glory, right? And so then we also talked about this whole idea that uh, God doesn't do things by accident, right? And we, we looked at how um, we looked at how often uh, miracles take effort, right? And we look at how this whole idea that um, without effort, miracles won't happen, but our effort doesn't necessarily make the miracles happen, right? We talked about this whole idea of, of praying boldly, of understanding. We looked at the, the miracle of Jesus um, being God over latitude and longitude, of healing this Roman official who came to him from Capernaum, walked uphill, right? Took some work, got to Jesus, and Jesus said, okay, your son's healed. And if it was me or you, we'd be like, um, 
let's call and check on that before I leave because that was a long walk. Or how about you just come and check with me? No, no, he, he said, okay, Jesus, I believe you, and he went on his way. And the miracle didn't happen when he showed up. The miracle happened the day before when Jesus said yes. I am going to heal your son. It didn't happen when he walked the day uh, later and got home and was like, oh, great, I'm so glad he's healed. No, 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 it happened when Jesus commanded it. And some of us need to realize that Jesus has done a miracle, Jesus has done a breakthrough, and that whatever situation that you're going through, whether it's an addiction, whether it's an issue in your family, whether uh, whatever it might be, that there is a breakthrough coming, and some of you are feeling like, no, there's, there's nothing there. There's, I can't see anything. It's not going to get there. I'm just, I'm just stuck into this. And we feel like Jesus didn't do anything. He just said something, and uh, we went on our way, and nothing happened. And yet, we got to realize that the last 400 feet is sometimes the hardest in our miracle. Just like when I climbed that half dome, the last 400 feet was the hardest. I And so many of us, just like I saw, get miles into this relationship with God, and then all of a sudden, like I saw, I got to the, the bottom of this, this half dome, and there's people turning away. No, no, I can't handle that. It's too scary. I don't want to do it. It's too much work. I can't do this. I can't do this. And they turned away, turned away, turned away, and they would turn back, and they would walk back down the hill. They had uh, hiked for hours to get to that point, and the last 400 feet, no, can't do this. And all of a sudden, we do that in our own lives. We go and we go and we struggle and we say, yeah, God, let's do this, let's do this. And then it's like, oh, this is just ridiculous. I'm not seeing anything. This, there's no way I can get on top of this. There's no way I can get a breakthrough. There's no way my parents are going to get back together. There's no way I'm going to uh, be able to control my mouth or get, uh, be able to trust God completely with my future or get, uh, be an A student or anything like that. There's just no way. And we give up on the last 400 feet. And we talked about that God wants to do something incredible, and we need to white-knuckle the promises of God, just like I was white-knuckling that cable as I was climbing up and trusting in that cable. We need to white-knuckle the promises of God and say, God, I know that you have me here for a reason. God, I know that your plans are for me, not against me. I know that you put my foot on a solid ground, and I'm not going to slip. I know that you are, you are going before me, that you're my front guard, you're my rear guard. You are the God that put me here for a plan and for a purpose, that you have placed favor every step that I take. And some of us need to start white knuckling the promises of God. And we need to realize we ended with the statement of our audacity in our prayer life needs to meet God's capacity. Our audacity needs to meet God's capacity in our conversation, in our conversations, in the way that we live and everything that we do. And then we talked about the next week about how our expectations largely determine what our lives are like. And we need to sanctify our expectations, right? Because sometimes we say, all right, God, you can do it. I know you can, but you better show up in this box. And this is the only way that it can happen. Just like the man that was at the pool and said, uh, Jesus said, hey, do you want to be healed? He said, I can't get into that pool, and that's the only way to be healed. All of a sudden, he had this only way. He tried to box God in and say, this is the only way that it can happen. And all of a sudden, Jesus said, no, no, that's, that's not the way I'm going to do it. And so many of us, we box God in and say, you better answer my prayer this way, this how, because this is the only way that I can believe and trust. And all of a sudden, we, we miss out on our opportunities. So we need to sanctify our expectations of who God is and how he's going to answer our prayer. And to sanctify means to literally make holy, to, to get right with God, to, to get our relationship back on track. And so we, we need to do that. And then last week, we looked at the two fish and the five loaves. 
that God is a multiplying God and, and that our God has often put us in a place um, of testing. It's called a proving ground, just like the otter box, right, has a case on it and, and it has been tested and proved for over 238 hours of testing before it gets to the stores for you to purchase to put on your little cell phone, right? And so all of a sudden we see that God puts us in a place of testing and a proving ground, a proving ground to prove our faith to him, but also so that he can prove his faithfulness to us. And I don't know where you are, but we said that every one of us is in a proving ground. Can we remain pure while single? Because then we'll be able to pass the test of being faithful when married. Can we, can we be good in our studies now, even in a bad environment of our school? Or can we be, uh, can we be a light in our home now, even in the, in the, the chaos that's surrounding us with our parents or, or the neighborhood? And we looked at the whole idea of, of what, that, what that is. And I love the fact that um, and it still blows me away when I think about it, that Jesus, before he, uh, before he performed the miracle, he gave thanks. And so, so many of us say, yeah, I'll say thank you when I see it happen. When God comes through and when God brings my parents back together, when God gives me straight A's, when God does this, then I'm going to be thankful. And yeah, I got this, right? And yet Jesus himself said thanks before he fed thousands of people. Before he did that, he gave thanks. And, and how often do we need to get to a place of humility and say, God, thank you for answering my prayer. I don't know how, I don't know where, but I know that you want the best for me. And so we say, we, we gotta, before we see the breakthrough in our lives, in our thought life, in our addictions, in our families, we have to give thanks and trust that God has our best interest at heart. And so tonight we're gonna look at the last of Jesus' miracles, um, not in the Bible, but uh, the last in our series, and it's towards the end of his life on earth, actually. And before we get to that, though, I have a quick question. Have you guys ever done something that you wish you hadn't have done? Like, you wish you could take it back. Like, I just want to take back. Like, can we just go back? A couple of you? Good. Uh, so many of you have not li yet lived, because all of us are at some point was like, oh, man, I wish that, like, I didn't get, for me, um, the speeding ticket. I haven't gotten one in years, but, man, it's that moment when you, when the cop pulls you over, and you're like, oh, I wish I could just, like, go back a couple uh, minutes and just not speed, right? Like, back to the future. Um, I wish that could happen. Or, or maybe it was like, I wish I didn't talk back to my parents because now I'm grounded for a month, two months, three months. I saw this uh, Facebook video today where I don't even know why I saw this on, uh, uh, on Facebook, but there is this girl, she was in prison. She was uh, before the judge, and they were giving her a sentence, and um, uh, she was kind of being smart aleck back to the judge. And so the judge was like, all right, your fine is going to be $5,000. She's like, cool, whatever, adios. And, and she walks away out of the camera, and he goes, oh, wait, wait, come back, come back. Actually, it's going to be $10,000. And she's like, what? He's like, adios. And she's like, no way. And she like starts cussing and she walks away and he goes, oh, come back, come back, come back. She's like, did you, did you just cuss at me? Yeah. What of it? He's like, $15,000. And I was just like, man, sometimes you just wish you could just keep that in your mouth. Like, I wish I didn't say that. Or have you ever sent a text to somebody and like, you're like, oh no, wrong person. I can't delete it, right? You ever do that? That happens all the time. Um, super awkward, like, 
hey babe, I love you, can't wait to see you tonight, hugs and kisses, like send. Um, Pastor Steve, hey, uh, really, really appreciate you too, Donnie. Uh, awkward, right? Like, oops. Um, so it's, it's one of those moments that it's like, man, I really wish I didn't do that stupid thing. There's, there's actually a whole, uh, a whole like organization that's called the Darwin Awards. Uh, and I'm not promoting evolution, but they named it the Darwin Awards because they say uh, it's survival of the fittest and the smartest. And these people are people that have done stupid things to prove that, they're, that the uh, people that survive are smarter than you. Like um, you, they do all sorts of stupid stuff. One was just last year, the Darwin Award for this racer that he got hit he was on the side of um, the side of the track is a dirt track is a sprint car race he was so mad he got out of the car okay given these cars are speeding by like hundreds mile an hour and on this track he gets out of the car is like oh my gosh and he sees the guy like coming around the lap again and he's like yelling at him but this is at nighttime He's wearing a black fire suit uh, with his helmet on. And he's like, blah, blah, blah. And the guy doesn't, I don't know if he sees him or not. He says he didn't see him. Um, but he comes by, and because it's dirt, he, you know, he, he slides um, around, and he hits the guy. And the guy dies. Darwin Award. Survival of the smartest. And he wasn't very smart. Why would you ever get out of the car on a raceway for a personal vendetta? My personal favorite one was this happened years ago. Skyscraper uh, window salesman. Windows in skyscrapers are actually very different than the windows you have in your house. They're a lot thicker. They have to be um, actually installed a lot differently because there's a lot higher winds when you're 60 uh, stories up. And so he would take his clients up and he'd show them, hey, look at this great skyscraper uh, window. And oh, this is so great withstand all these different winds and oh, it's so fascinating right and then he would do this uh three-point stance he's like check this out check this out this is how strong this window is 60th floor three-point stance football he's like check out what it can withstand he goes and he, and he leans and he just football shoulders it window pops out the man pops out after the window <laughs> and falls to his death. Darwin Award. Um, you ever wish you could take it back, what you've done or what you've said? And it's one of those things that sometimes we, we gotta realize that, man, I wish that I could have taken back what I said. Um, because here's the reality. Time, and you can write this, time moves in one direction, and that's forward. I don't care, Back to the Future says, time moves in one direction, and that's forward. You can't ever like, be like, oh my goodness, like, I wish I didn't do that, right? I wish I didn't make that dumb decision, right? I heard um, there's this, this line, we, we think about you know, stupidity, and, and uh, I, I saw this line about faith, and it was kind of interesting because it was talking about a, a tree, and, and here's the thing, when you cut limbs on a tree, you stick your ladder on the tree and you go up and you like cut the limb off that way. You don't stick you know, the ladder on the limb and then cut it off because then you'd fall with the limb. But uh, this guy said, this pastor said, you know what faith is like? Faith is like climbing up onto a limb and cutting it, cutting it off and watching the tree fall and you stay. That's what faith is like sometimes because it, it's, it does something that is unexplainable that you can't 
uh, you can't figure out. The miracle doesn't make sense in your mind, and that's what God does. And yet, in this moment, in this uh, story we're going to look at, we're going to see that this is unexplainable. This has never happened before, and this doesn't make sense to us. What's, what's done is done, right? You can't, you can't unbake cookies. Like, you baked them. You can't, like, bring them back to dough. You can't uncut your hair. You ever have a bad haircut? Like, it's really bad when you're like, and then the barber's like, oops, uh, what? What did you just say? Nothing. Oh, we'll just, you know, fade it out here and it'll look great. Right? You can't, um, you can't ungo too far physically with somebody and pretend like it never happened. Or, or here's one, you can't undo death. As much as we want to see that happen, as much as we love to bring our loved ones back, as much as it's hard at the funeral or at the moment when, when uh, we say goodbye, and it's like, I wish I could just bring them back one last time. I wish I just had one last opportunity to say, tell them how much I love them. I wish I could just bring them back. And, and here's the reality is every human knows this. And these two ladies that we see in our story today in John 11 know this. It's Mary and Martha. And they realize that death is a permanent thing because their brother Lazarus just died. And they realize that it's permanent and that they're not going to see him again. Time moves forward. And so we pick it up here in John 11 verse 17 uh, when we see that he has come, he has come to this place uh, back to where Mary and Martha live and, and where Lazarus just passed away. And it says this, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. That's a long time. Four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. All right, so uh, four days, this is what this means, is, is back in the day, they had these burial habits of, of what they would do is they kind of embalm the body. Um, they wrap them up, um, and they put spices in, and they put perfumes in because body's stanky, right? They don't have a casket that, like, is air-sealed and, and put it down. They have this empty hole in the wall or slash mountain um and they kind of just put the body in there and roll a rock in, in front of it and they're like whew hopefully that takes the stinky out right and they they're just kind of allowing that to be there but they would wrap it all up tight so it wouldn't decay it was it was they would take all the perfume and all the spices and so you know it, it's more like a mummy like sarcophagus right um so wrap up the legs wrap up the arms and everything's super tight um and so we see that uh, that's what happened. Jesus came four days late. And then in verse 20, it says this. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's, that's a little passive aggressive. Like, that's slightly awkward. Like, hey, if you would have been here, this would have happened. It's not your fault, but it kind of is. It's not really your fault, but, but it really is. I'm not blaming you, but... I kind of am. Like, we see this kind of, we kind of do this in our own lives. God, if you would have just been here, if you could have, you could have done this. See, Martha had faith. She knew that Jesus, she saw like the 20 some odd miracles before this, realized, hey, he can heal people. This is pretty legit. Let's get him to heal Lazarus. And she goes, man, I know that you can heal people. Why weren't you here? Kind of like, we know that God can provide. God, I know that you know the plan for my life. Why won't you just tell me? God, I know that you, you're all about mending relationships. Why don't you just do it? God, I know that you're here to, to, to help me get good grades to school, that you have a plan to prosper me, and yet I struggle with these addictions. I struggle with this frustration. I struggle with all this stuff. Why aren't you doing anything? I know you got the power to. Come on. 
So we can kind of sympathize. I can kind of sympathize, right? We find ourselves at least believing that God could have prevented some things happening, and we end up putting this God in a, in a box of, hey, you should have performed the miracle this way. This is how I know you to act, and yet you didn't do it. John 11, verse 22, she continues to say this, though. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Whew, man, I wish I could have faith like that. Get frustrated. Man, if you were here, but you know what? Even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And, and I want to have an important side note here is a lot of times we think that big faith happens from big faith people. Like we expect the people that have been in church the longest, oh, of course their prayers are going to get answered because they've been in church. Oh, of course your prayer is going to get answered, Pastor Donnie. You're a pastor. You should, you should know all the secret prayers to pray, right? Um, we think that, uh, of course, Billy Graham is going to live forever. He knows how to pray. He's never going to die, right? Like we think that those people should have all the right prayers. And so those people are obviously going to get their prayers answered. And, and we aren't going to because, honestly, like we, we got our lives jacked up. We have no idea what's going on. We don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray. We don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden we think that, hey, we're not good enough to get to that point. And here's the thing that I love about the Bible is, is I'm sorry, ladies, but back in the day, again, ladies weren't really looked at as being the leaders of examples. Like, ooh, wow, look at them. They're really great people. Like, you didn't see, like, rabbi, ladies, and stuff like that, and people that said, I want to follow them in faith. Why? Because they weren't really looked at or respected that way. And, and yet we see where the disciples should have gotten it and said, yeah, yeah, Jesus could heal them. He could, he could make them raise from the dead. No, no, no. They're like, ooh, right? And Martha was like, hey, even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And we see that even somebody that shouldn't have gotten it was getting it. What are you saying? God uses the least likely people to showcase his glory. God uses the least likely people like you and like me to showcase his glory. Even if you feel like you're a screw-up, that God can't use you because you got a messed up past, because you're not right, because you, you don't know what to say, you don't know the right things to do, God wants to use you, the least likely people, to showcase his glory. And we find these two women had more faith than Jesus' own disciples. God's wanting to do something through you, and it doesn't matter what people say about you or the box that they try to put you in. God wants to use you. I love this. God doesn't count you out. You might count yourself out. Your family might count you out. Your own thinking might count you out. Your, your newness to church mentality might count you out. But... You don't think you know that much, but God doesn't count you out. God says, I want to do a new thing in you. Behold, all things are, are new. Man, the old has passed away. I want to do a new thing in you. God wants to do a new thing in us each and every day. Like I said, we are in a testing ground, and God wants to do something incredible in and through us. And here's the thing. You don't know necessarily what God is doing and what God's going to be doing and how he's going to be uh, doing it. But, and we said this last week, it's easy to trust God when things are going good. But how do we trust him when things aren't? When things are going bad, when the family's messed up, when our grades aren't up to scale, when we slip up and we disrespect our parents or we talk bad about our siblings. How are we doing that when things are going bad? And almost, we can almost feel like God is against us. We can almost feel like Martha of saying, if you were here, you're four days late. What gives, right? 
And so often we, we're big talkers when, when things go our way. We're big talkers of faith. And, yeah, I go to church on Wednesdays and Sundays. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm a Christian and, and all this stuff. And yet, I love what Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians. And he, he's talking to these guys that are a bunch of talk. And, and they're like, yeah, we got this going on. And he goes, guess what, guys? 1 Corinthians 4.20. For the kingdom of God depends not on talk but on power. And he goes on to say, I'm going to come and see what kind of power you guys have in your life. I'm going to see when the going gets tough, what kind of power do you have in your life? Are you really trusting God? And so that's our, our call today is, is when the going gets tough, what kind of power are we relying on? What kind of source are we going to? Is God being an ultimate source of power in our life? Are we seeing the power of God being demonstrated in and through our lives when we're going up and talking to people that we really don't have any point in talking to? We're like, oh, I, I don't know why I'm supposed to talk to them or invite them to church. That's just awkward. I don't know why I'm supposed to be praying for my parents. I don't know why. That's just weird. That's just awkward. I don't know what I'm doing. I can't do this. And yet we see that God's saying, no, 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 stop talking the talk about, yeah, you love me. Start walking it out and saying, allowing the power of Jesus to move through you and to touch the world around you. Going on, uh, John 11, verse 23, it says, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Talking about, yeah, I know he's going to be in heaven. It's going to be great. And Jesus said to her, I and the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is really weird. It got really awkward. It's like, Jesus, what are you talking about? See, for us, resurrection life. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, he's resurrection power. Yeah, the resurrection Easter hadn't happened yet. So kind of weird, awkward, like, what are you talking about? He asked, do you believe... Do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? And Martha said simply this, yes. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. See, before Jesus did a miracle, he focused Martha back on what was the main thing. So often, Martha could have been like, why aren't you uh, healing Lazarus? Why weren't you here? And yet we do the same thing. God, why aren't you showing up? Why do I not have boldness to talk to my friends? Why aren't my friends coming to church? Why are my parents like this? Why is the neighborhood like this? Why are my teens like this? And all of a sudden, Jesus says, hey, hey, stop focusing on the answer. Stop focusing on this, this miracle that you want to take place. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Are you focused on me? Are you focused on my power that I want to do in and through you? Do you believe that I really am who I say I am? And Martha said, yes. And that's what our answer needs to be as well. Jesus didn't want to just give her a quick fix of solving the problem. He wanted to see that he wanted her to rely on the lasting truth of who he actually is. So stop just seeking the miracles and the answers. Continue and start seeking Jesus. So why did Jesus wait for Lazarus to die? I think this is one of the things is he had already shown his healing power. He had already shown that, and he wanted to do a new thing. He wanted to show this resurrection power. He wanted to show that, uh, that he had something that, that no one else had seen before and that God continually wants to do a new thing in us and in you. And we see that sometimes it seems like Jesus is holding out on us in our personal lives, but... But the reality is maybe he's just wanting uh, you to believe him 
for what he's, he's done and trust him for what he's about to do. Maybe he's just wanting to say, hey, do you really believe that I'm the Messiah? And see, here's the thing is God often wants to reveal more of his glory to us. And it takes doing something that hasn't ever been done before in our lives. Before God adds, he subtracts. Before God multiplies in your life, he, he tends to prune. Before God can raise the dead to life, there has to be death. And here's the reality is everyone wants to be a part of this power of God. Everyone wants to be a part of a miracle. But no one wants to be in a circumstance that needs it. Yeah, I would love to see Jesus do something incredible. I want to see God do some incredible healings. But guess what? I don't want to get cancer and then have him heal me. I don't want to get cancer. I don't want that. Man, I would love to see, you know, God, God mend relationships and, and, and do some of that. But I don't want that to be a stressor in my relationship with my wife. And I want to see the miracles of Jesus, but often we don't want to necessitate, go through the circumstance that really needs them. Here's what I love about God, though, is where death came to put a period, where Martha put a period, where all those mourners and everyone that was around that came to, and there's a big crowd and saying, man, we know we love Lazarus and, and put a period. God puts a comma. He said, no, 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 it's not done yet. The sentence isn't over yet. Just take a breath. Just take a breath because I'm about to do a new thing. I'm about to do something incredible. And some of us need to realize that God's putting a comma in our life and we just need to take a breath and realize that he is about to do an incredible thing. Even if he feels like he seems to be four days late, he's right on time. Verse 39, it says this, Jesus said, take away the stone. And I love this because Martha just answered, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You are the resurrection and the life. Yes, you are the, the power, right? Amen. And so, so many of us are like, yeah, Jesus is awesome. And he says, take away the stone. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it stinks. Like he's dead, dead. I believe in you. You're awesome. That's great, Jesus. But he's dead. Can we just like move on past this? You missed your opportunity. And she, she's, she was like, Lord, already there's a stench because he has been dead for days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? I love that. Even though she had doubt, um, there's a stench. This is nasty. The, I, I, what are you doing, Jesus? I'm not sure what you're doing, God. I don't understand what you're doing, Jesus. This doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I think this is already uh, a done deal. Time only goes forward. You can't ever do this. This has never been done before. This doesn't make sense. What are you doing? She, God said, no, no, don't you, you just said you believe me, right? Yeah, true. And they took the stone away. Even in our doubts, and we talked about this months ago, doubt is not toxic to your faith. Doubt is not toxic to your faith. Silence is, not expressing it is, but doubt is not toxic to your faith. And so even in her doubt, she still followed Jesus. Even in our doubt, we still need to follow and pursue Jesus. God, I don't understand how this is going to happen, but I trust you completely, even in our doubt. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you have sent me. When he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. 
I'm just going to say this. I'm going to move on, but it's pretty funny. How did Lazarus come out? If his, because it says that his hands and feet were still bound. So, like, I imagine it talks about how God always turns our sorrow into laughter, right, into joy. And I feel like this is a moment that God just got literal with that. He's like, this is going to be funny. Watch this. And so all of a sudden, Lazarus is coming out. How else would he come out? Because he's wrapped up. He's hopping out of the grave. That's kind of crazy, right? And I imagine, like, at all the weddings, they're like, oh, remember that one time? Hey, put DJ, put that music on. Let's just do the Lazarus. Ooh, ooh, I'm hopping out of the grave. Right? It goes with a stinky leg, too. Right? And then, uh, it's one of those things that's like, what on earth? Like, that is ridiculous. Like, come on, God. Did you really? Like, doop, 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 I'm hopping out. Somebody get me out of here. Right? It's just awkward. Like, can you imagine being Lazarus being like, um, I can't say, um, well, like, I want to know how many times he hit the wall of the, of the tomb before he got out. Pfft, oh, no. Hey, Lazarus, this way. Oh, gosh, come on, where is this? Guys, you didn't put holes in it, right? It's like, a, it's like a Halloween suit gone bad. It's like, Mom, you forgot to put holes in the sheet. I can't see anything. Um, anyways, I just, I, I just thought of that. And I was like, that was crazy. So anyways, back to this miracle. This miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead, yes, it foreshadows Jesus, uh, what he's about to do in his own life of being res raised from the dead, Right, because he is the resurrection of life and, and it foreshadows that miracle that happens on Easter. But this is what it also does for us today. Is it foreshadows something that God wants to do in our lives. And I need, can you two ladies be my volunteers real fast? Please, and thank you. Thanks. Okay, you're so good right now. Here we go. There we go. Take this, and you take this. And I need you to wrap it just around her, just as much as you can, like bottom, top, everything. Go, just, just wrap. There we go. Just keep wrapping. Just keep wrapping. Just keep wrapping. There we go. Get those arms in there too. Those are legs. We'll work on. We'll work on anatomy later. But it's one of those things. Here's the thing. What's crazy about what they talked about back in the day, the burial cloths and everything that was used were thick burial cloths. And, and they would wrap. And they said that often it would be about 100 pounds of cloth. And to where even when they wrapped the head, keep going, um, even when they wrapped the head, it would be like a foot wide. It was almost like it was just a shadow of the person that it was originally like because they couldn't tell who it was. It was just wrapped up mummified, right? Keep going, keep going, keep going. Imagine what Lazarus felt like. Man. <laughs> well, you'll soon feel that way. Just a second. All right, go down now. Keep going down. All right, and be they became a shadow of what they originally were. And here's the thing. All right, you can stop. Stop, and we'll just put it down here. Stay right there. Alex, you can go sit down. Thank you so much. You're awesome. Great wrapping skills. Stay right there, Alyssa. Stay right there. Don't unwrap. Just stay right there. All right, so here's the thing. This is what Jesus wants to do in our life now, is when we sin and when we, when we uh, keep uh, allowing the enemy of our souls to uh, put thoughts in our, in our mind, we're allowing him to wrap us up. 
and these grave clothes and these grave cloths of, of saying, um, you know, you aren't worth anything. You aren't good enough. You're, you're never going to be uh, good enough. You know what? You're just, you're just, uh, you're just second class. You're not going to be anything special. You can't ever do anything that you want to do. You think you can do that? Please. You're never going to amount to anything. You think you can get over this addiction? Please. You're never going to get over this addiction. You're going to be stuck in this for the rest of your life. You're never going to amount to anything. No one's ever going to love you. And all of a sudden, when we start to see this, you're doing okay? That makes me dizzy. I'm dizzy. You're dizzy. You're standing still. We all of a sudden see now, when Satan starts to put all these lies into our head, we become a shadow of who God created us to be. God created us to be something incredible. God created us to be something extraordinary. God created us to be something uh, that's used for his glory. And all of a sudden, we got to realize that God is calling us and Jesus is calling us out and saying, you know what? You need to come out of those grave clothes. You need to come out of that lie that Satan's been telling you. You need to come out. Keep tearing it off. You can... You, you can get that. You need to come out of, of this lie that the enemy has told you, and you think that you're amounted to nothing. No, 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 I've created you for so much more than this, that you are something special. You are something adored. You are something incredible, and that God is going to do something incredible in and through your life, and we need to respond to Jesus and say, I'm coming out. You can go ahead and sit down. Thank you. Can we give it up for Alyssa? Awesome. See, here's the, here's the reality. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good, to make immoral people moral. He didn't come so that gay people can become straight, so that liars can start telling the truth, so that people that, that are bad at grades or in F students become A students. Jesus didn't come to make you moral. Jesus came to bring the dead to life. Jesus came so that you can live an abundant life on purpose, rich in his glory and shine that glory out to everyone that you come in contact with. He didn't come so that you could just be a good person. He came to make you alive in him. And we got to realize that it starts with this, that Jesus, the simple thing of calling us out of the grave, he, Jesus is calling us out of the, the thought life of the grave that Satan has tried to put us in. Because John 10, 10, that first part says that Satan has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy us. And Jesus said, no, 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 I've come to give you abundant life. You come out of there. You don't buy into those thoughts anymore. You don't, you don't think those things about yourself anymore. I have called you more than a conqueror. I have called you an overcomer. I have called you victorious in everything that you put your foot to. Man, I don't, I don't care what Satan says that you're going to be a loser. No, no, no. You take those grave clothes off because that's just a shadow of who I created you to be. I love when he asked Martha if he believed that he's the resurrection of life. She simply said, yes. And Austin, if you can come up here and start playing, I want you to catch this. A simple yes can change your life forever. A simple yes can change everything. See, Martha already had, had believed Jesus. He said, do you really believe? I feel like he's, he's saying the same thing about us. For some of us that have grown up in the church, he said, do you really believe? Because you're buying into these lies and you look like a mere shadow of what I really created you for. And so tonight, we need to say yes to Christ. Yes. Christ calling us out of a place where Satan has tried to put us in. Yes to Christ uh, calling us to, to be all that he's created us to be. Yes to walking out of that grave and into his glorious life. Yes to shaking off 
the grave clothes. Because here's, here's the beautiful thing. Jesus came to rob the grave that Satan is putting you in. He's a grave robber. This whole series has been about how Jesus has come to take back what the enemy has stolen. What the enemy has wanted to have for evil, God intended and can change it for good. God wants to do a new thing in us. He wants to do a new thing in our ministry here. He wants to do a new thing in our community, a new thing in your team, a new thing in your school, a new thing in your family, a new thing in your neighborhood. And it starts with a simple yes. It starts with saying yes to God. And so tonight we're gonna end in worship by simply saying yes to God moving in our lives so that we can live in power. So we're not just a bunch of talk like the Corinthians, but we can live in power because that shows the kingdom of God. So why don't we go ahead and stand? Can all of us stand up? Now I want you to repeat after me right before we go into this. And we're just gonna simply, simply say yes to God. So. Thanks again for listening to this message from Reality Student Ministries. Our hope is that you've learned a little bit more of who God is and who He has called you to be. For information on how you can get connected to our student ministry, be sure to check us out online at reality.painesvilleag.com or like our Facebook page at RSM. Now get out there and have an incredible day.